Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Today, we're, the focus I'm sharing today is really focusing on that we are thinking of others. I uh, normally... Once a year, I have a time where I meet with my leadership folk in the church, and that's basically every person who's in any area of volunteer work. And we spend about three, three sessions together. They're oftentimes on Sunday. But this year, we've really felt it's been a tough year in a lot of ways. It's been a tough year that we just really needed to edify one another, just bless one another, come alongside and say, thank you, Thank you. Thank you. My mother is uh, in a nursing home in Toronto. They've got, as well as many nursing homes there, uh, one of the outbreaks again. Very different than an outbreak over a year ago. This outbreak in the nursing home, although there's many who have uh, contracted COVID, uh, as of a couple days ago anyway, none of them had gone to the hospital. So that was really good news. But in this outbreak, it changes everything. A lot of staff, huge amount of staff. Like we're talking like 50 to 60 staff. And uh, probably 30 of them, 35 of them active. So that's a lot of staff to be hitting, hitting a place like that. And so the services are going to change. Uh, she's talking, you know, at mealtime, there's just one serving. Where normally there would be three. Food's coming cold, different things. You never like to hear that, but you understand it based on the situation. And we've been just encouraging her. You know, Mom, when you can, usually staff know that they're having a hard time. Usually staff know things are not up, not up to par. They know that. They know that. What they probably need more than anything is not correction. Probably what they need more than anything is encouragement. For you to say, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for pulling a double shift. Thank you for caring enough to do this. Thank you for shortening your break so that you can help us out. I was encouraging mom, and we talked about this. Mom, maybe just look for different ways. When they come in and they, yeah, they're late. They're late for this, they're late for that. But thank them for what they're doing. I mean, can really, can you thank them too much? Can you encourage a person too much? Somebody says, psychologists tell us that, that we need, what, 50 points of encouragement and praise a day if you're going to be a healthy person. 50. Some days, how many of you are, some, I think some of you are smiling behind those masks. How many of you are remembering, shoot, there's days that go by, I don't get anything. 50. Now, that doesn't mean, husband, if you need, to, you need to encourage your wife, thank her. Doesn't mean, thank you, 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 now I've done it. You should be blessed. Okay? It's more than that. You know that. I want to say today, blessings on all those who have served here at Cornerstone Church. It has been a blessing to me and a joy to me to watch even to watch those who serve and have been serving a long time and the faithfulness and the loyalty of the continued service. That's such a blessing. Might I say it's sometimes a little rare, and that's why it stands out. And oh, what a joy to see new people who come and just begin to serve. I used to have a policy, but I, 
I've changed my mind in the last two years. It's okay to change your mind, I guess. I changed my mind in the last two years. I used to have a policy that when you come to the church, just sit there, just enjoy it for six months. Don't do anything. Just come and enjoy it. Uh, I've changed my mind. If I see you back the second week, can, can you help us? <laughs> I've kind of changed on that a little bit. Uh, my convictions have changed, not just because of the need, but because God works through everyone. And uh, there's no time, no time on that. Now, that doesn't mean we're just going to give you maybe a teaching capacity. We need to make sure that all our teachers are sound in the word, but it's important to be involved. And so there are so many to you who serve, who serve in registration, who serve in the paperwork, the uh, bringing in ushering, uh, receiving offering, counting offering for those who are on our media, on our worship, uh, and all the others who are teachers. There's teaching going on downstairs right now. For all of those, thank you. Today I want to express thanks. There's a text that is my pretext. It's not my main text. Here's my pretext. I'm putting it up here this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. This is my pretext. Philippians 2, 4. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Isn't that a good word? Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I think they call that don't just be a consumer, be a contributor. Don't just receive, give. Be active in how I might serve someone else others so that's my pretext don't look out only for your own interest but take an interest in others too that's a good one to mark good one to mark that as we come to it we remind ourselves am i just starting to become inward focused or am i seeking how i might serve uh, sometimes we can get so discouraged in service in helping others and in, in serving others that we start to become maybe a little disappointed, frustrated. It might even lead into levels of anger. Uh, that frustration can really do that to us. Like, uh, um, how come nobody's, nobody else is doing it? Is it really making any difference? Sometimes, you know, as you serve others, they don't appreciate what you do. And, and then you're kind of like, well, I, you know, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. And there's a great word that Jesus spoke into this in Matthew chapter 25. Again, this is another pretext. Matthew 25, 40. I hold on to this and I've had many workers and I encourage all workers, all workers here. Matthew 25, 40. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you do in service, and many of these in this context, the picture was the hurting, the poor, the broken, the, the embittered. As you've done it to them, the Lord is saying, you've done it to me. Well, that kind of helps me serve. So I just don't focus on necessarily the individual. I'm doing it because I love you, Lord. As I serve them, I'm serving you. We've even been told sometimes you serve God in ways unaware that you're actually serving him. And so as you serve them, don't just think it's them. It is. But it doesn't mean you serve only because you care about them. It doesn't mean I serve only because I really, really like them and love them. I serve irregardless because as I serve them, it demonstrates I like him. 
I like God. So that helps me to serve others. And it can help you through those tough times. We are in a season, we're calling it this 2020, that we would be impactful. We want to be people of impact. And my goal this year, 2020, is to be a person of impact, to be a spiritual impact in the lives of others. That's my goal. So my goal, I I remind myself of that constantly. You're getting out of bed today to be a person who can somehow spiritually impact the life of someone else today. Impact. I want to be a spiritual impact to someone. And in doing that, as was advertised a few moments ago, we invite you back to Wednesday, 645, here out there in the cafe. We're going to unpack what we talk about. We're going to exercise different spiritual giftings within the body. We do that. And we are just going to have a time where this will really find its root in service. How does this impact me in my daily living? So it really helps in that. So join us for that. We encourage that's also uh, our children's ministry downstairs. As well, again, mentioned on Saturday night prayer Zoom. That's Saturday night. Uh, I was reading from, and this is, we're calling our, our church into a season of fasting and prayer. For multiple reasons, January is a great month to do that. Just It helps rebalance our diets. But in that, we just don't rebalance our diet. It is a spiritual discipline of prayer. So encourage you, and there's many different ways you can enter into it. If you've never entered into a season or you don't really understand much about fasting, we have made that available. Go to our website, auroracornerstone.ca. We have it there on the website. There's a document. That document is also available at the Information Center in hard copy if you need it. I think there's a couple copies left there. Uh, We made a few. They all went last week, but made a few again this week. Just to help you kind of walk through, how do I enter into it? What do I do during fasting, and how do I come out of fasting? Some, some, I think, some good wisdom in a season of fasting. I say season because I don't want to put a time to it. Uh, My belief is you will know when your season's done, and your season will be done when you get a release when there becomes a peace and you feel there's been accomplishment. And I'm going to suggest the season probably will be weeks, and it may be months. But that season of fasting is not downtime. It is truly uptime, a time where we begin to rebalance some things in our life that often get out of balance. And so I invite you to do that, invite you to be a part of that season. We are encouraging the church. I know many churches are doing that at this point in time and season calling us into a season of prayer and fasting. Part of my season is I've been reading just my own Devo time. I've been going through the book of Nehemiah again, one of my favorite books. And Nehemiah came out of that story is where there's a people that come back and the Jewish people have come back home to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem lays in ruins. The walls have been torn down from wartime. And they became so discouraged. It was so overwhelming, the task before them. Walls in that time, walls around the city were so important because it really defined who you were. It was a part of your identity. It was your safety. It gave you a sense of of purpose as a people. And if your walls were just torn down, then anybody comes into your walls. There's no protection. There's no identity. There's no uniqueness in you. Nehemiah came back and his heart was dismayed as he looked upon this. He called the people together and says, let's build the wall. This is a mandate of the Lord. Let's build the wall. But here was the cool thing, that as he began and he called the people to build, Nehemiah couldn't do it by himself. I mean, he's a cupbearer. 
cupbearer to the king. He's not the guy who's out there with brick and mortar building the wall. But come on, everybody together, we can all build the wall. And he called the families. And I couldn't get over how often families were mentioned in the book of Nehemiah of the building of the wall. Fathers beside their daughters, specifically mentioned, with a trowel in one hand and a, and a, and a sword in the other because they were being threatened. See, the enemy didn't want the wall up. They want the wall down. You're, you're, you're open and vulnerable. And so a trowel in this hand and a sword in the, and But they keep the wall going. And a wall all the way around the city was built in a miraculous 52 days. 52 days. Now, we're not talking like the wall that separates the U.S. from Mexico here. We're talking about a wall that you can actually drive a chariot around. These are serious walls, not like your backyard fence. So these wall, this wall was built in 52 days, but it was families together that built the wall. And I'm going to encourage us as a body... Let this be a year where families really begin to find their place together. Sons and daughters with their mothers and fathers. Fathers, daughters, mothers, sons. May we go alongside. I, I look forward to this year that when we have ushers coming to receive the offering, that we would have um, you know, parents with their children receiving the offering. May we, when we're maybe even ushering folk in, that we begin to even have children working with, and I'm not talking you know, your, your toddler necessarily. I'm maybe talking your preteen to your teen who comes alongside, and we work together as a family. Isn't that cool? To work together as a family. Uh, what about in, in teaching with children downstairs? And, and so the children come along, if their parent is one of the teachers, to come alongside and, and assist and be a part and watch what God is doing when families join together. I'm believing for that. Maybe we can believe that together this year, that families will reunite in a stronger way in our context of our church that we have family ministry, families working together. And I saw that in the story of Nehemiah. Today, though, this is my text. My text today goes to John chapter 15. I invite you to take that in your Bibles. I invite you to bring your Bibles to church. I know we have devices. They are good. But if you can bring your Bibles, this allows you opportunity to even just mark in the margin, uh, underline some things. I do that. I I scribble my Bibles up with meaningful stuff so that it, it speaks to me. John chapter 15, are you there? Now, we've only got in PowerPoint the first couple of verses, but I want to read maybe the first eight or nine verses, so follow with me. These are, if you're a Bible, if you have a Bible, these are in red, so that means Jesus is speaking these words. Let's pick it up, verse 1. John 15, 1. I am the true vine. Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now let's go on to verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you might bear much fruit. Is that what it says? Come on, what does it say there? I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you here. You will bear. Note that. What's the condition? If, if you remain in me and I remain in you. Here's the guarantee. It's a warranty. You will bear a little bit of fruit. Oh, thank you. Keep, keep me on this. Much you will bear much 
fruit. It's a promise. If Jesus says it, you can bank on it. You will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do a lot your own way. No, okay. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. Withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. They're good for only kindling. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Now, it didn't say, note this. It didn't say you can ask whatever you wish and you get it. You can ask whatever you wish if you're remaining in him and his word is abiding in you. Then you will know what to ask. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. What brings glory to the Father? You will bear much fruit. You want to glorify the Father. Fruit. This will be to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What's the true evidence of disciple? Fruitfulness. Not what you say. It's the fruit. Fruit. That's the evidence. I'm going to read eight again. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, we'll stop here. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. I want to, uh, I, I want to just draw attention in those verses nine times. Jesus makes reference to fruit and fruitfulness. The whole point of farming is to bring fruit unto harvest. It's the whole point of it. As much as a farmer might go, woohoo, and up and down the fields, you know, and sowing in the spring, that's not the point of farming. As much as he might be spraying it and weeding and all that stuff, it's not the point of farming. As much as it might look like a beautiful field or a wonderful vineyard, that's not the point of farming. There's one point to farming. It's the harvest. The point of all the other is you would bear much fruit. And that's what Jesus is saying. Only in our relation to the vine, as we as a branch remain connected to the vine, out of that fruit begins to bear. So today I want to talk about fruitfulness. I want to give a bit of a message on farming. I grew up on a farm. My, uh, we were, it was a 100-year-old farm had been in the Lucas name over 100 years. And I observed a lot of stuff on the farm. Now, don't ask me much in farming questions because I've been away from it for a very, very long time. But there's a lot could be observed. Now, it was not a vineyard farm. It was a dairy farm that I grew up on. We milked cows. But on this there's a lot of lessons that just come from farming. Now, first of all, I want to talk about the seasons of farming. So I invite you, if you have your devices, I've left my device down for a reason so it doesn't interrupt me. But there, if you have your devices, there's a, usually a notes part. Go ahead, grab. I want to talk about four seasons. And if you're watching online, again, welcoming those who are streaming with us, I invite you to grab a piece of paper. I want you to mark off four seasons because in a moment I'm going to ask you what season you think you're in now. Today, January the 9th. So I want you to just mark off these four seasons. I know our memory is amazing, but tends not, it tends to fade once the moment's gone. So if you're able to take notes, I want you to mark off four seasons. I'm going to start with springtime, and we're going to go through the different seasons because fruit is the depth of character. So when we talk about fruit, we're not talking about how amazing you look. We're talking about the depth of your character. So when we refer to fruit this morning, we're talking about the depth of the character. God has developed the fruit of your character. 
So here's the four seasons. Okay, we want to start. So write down, if you're on your notes, write down, first of all, springtime. Springtime's the first one. So I want to define it, and you can just put a few notes beside that regarding springtime. I'm going to call it beautiful springtime. Isn't spring one of the most lovely seasons? I don't know who here doesn't look forward to spring. Ah, getting out of winter. The snow's gone. <laughs> and then just the, the aromas come alive. And for now, if you're, if you're allergic to all of that, then it's probably not delightful. But those of us who are not allergic to all that stuff, it's just like, mm, smell the perfume of springtime. The birds just come alive. You, they're singing outside. And, and it's like the trees have come back to life and the, and the grass has come back to life and the, and the flowers have come back to life and the fields have come back to life. Our world has come back to life. And we, we migrate back out of our houses again and start to enjoy the springtime. Beautiful springtime. What the farmer does in springtime looks beyond springtime for the vine at present doesn't have many needs. Springtime doesn't have a whole lot of needs for a vineyard farmer. We have a picture here. I'm going to throw a few pictures up as time goes on. The rain in springtimes are plentiful. The springtime typically has the leftover snow that has melted and has made the ground very full, quite full of moisture. The weeds are still too small to be of any danger. I mean, it's springtime. It's April. It's May. It's springtime. If we use the analogy maybe of our gardens, the same is true in our gardens. When our gardens first grow up in springtime, I mean, it looks like they're growing an inch a day. You come out and it's like they grew at nighttime. And they're just, everything is developing. They're, they're, they're stretching up. They're, they're broadening out. Their petals are coming forth. It's, you're just seeing the growth almost overnight. When we see it, it's quickly lush, absolutely beautiful and stunning. I mean, look at those flowers. Water is prevalent. Predators have yet to find it. <laughs> they're still in their little cocoons and larva states. They haven't come out just yet. And their weather conditions are perfect for growth. It's springtime. However, the farmer's not doing anything. The farmer's not sitting on his hands. The farmer's looking ahead to the summer because spring will end. The farmer's looking ahead to summer when the weeds will become a threat and the soil will dry up. It is here in the springtime. The farmer sets the pattern of nourishment. Everybody say pattern of nourishment. Pattern of nourishment. Pattern of nourishment. In the springtime, the farmer sets the pattern of nourishment that will sustain the vine through the summer when the vine will most need nourishment. The farmer has to set the pattern in the spring, though, because if he forgets about it and he tries to do it in the, do it in the summer, it's too late. So in the springtime, he's looking ahead. There will be days of difficulty. There will be days of dryness. There will be days where there will be absolute full-out attack on that there vine. And if I don't begin to establish a pattern now, the vine will be overtaken later. It is here the foundation is laid. Even though the vine in spring has no immediate needs, the temptation is to say, we're okay. But the farmer is thinking ahead. The farmer is preparing for the battle. 
The farmer knows if these things are not taken care of now, they will overwhelm the vine in just two months from now. Beloved, in the seasons of great joy, in the seasons where you're enjoying his promises, God's promises, God invites us to establish, listen, he invites us to establish patterns of relationship with him that will endure when, sure enough, the seasons of testing will come. He's inviting you to establish patterns of relationship, a discipline, spiritual disciplines, digging in when you don't need to dig in because you're just experiencing wonderfulness. But if we don't establish the pattern now, if we don't establish it here in the springtime, if we don't establish that, then beware of the severe season of testing. It is coming. You see, how I respond to God today has implications just a couple of months down the road. How I experience God today. That is why people can miss some days of study with the Lord. You can miss a few prayer times with God. You go a week and not really pray. You go a couple of weeks and not really pray. Maybe, maybe a month and not really pray. And you hardly notice it. You don't see any adverse impact on your life. There's still good things happening. You still seem to be okay with God. That is why erratic connection with the church family. So you miss a week, miss a couple of weeks, miss a few weeks. Just uh, you, you don't connect, you've got things going on. I mean, things are good, it's springtime. There grows a disinterest in the serving of others. That begins to ramp up. That you just you got other things going on at springtime. And you can miss some things. You can miss some things. But listen here. The pattern of relationships are set right here. It's set right here. And eventually, it catches up. And when we discover we are in a dry, barren, and empty land, we're lost. We can't figure it out. We're lost. You know, springtime does not last forever. Summertime will come. The season of summer is a season of great testing. The season of summer with the beautiful, lush, light green leaves of the vine turn darker and darker and darker. What was once quite large begins to grow very small and wither. No longer are the vines growing an inch every day. They stop. It appears even they shrink. Their edges begin to fray and the petals fall off. The blossoms fall to the ground. Listen to this. The greatest mistake a branch can make now is to cling to the fleeting beauty of spring. Did you hear that? The greatest mistake a branch can do is to cling to the fleeting beauty of spring. Oh, if we could just have those petals back again. Oh, if I was just growing an inch every day like then. Oh, if all, all my beauty, all the wonders that were taking place, all the stuff going on, if I could just have that back again. Here's the point. Whenever we preserve our traditions at the expense of following God's leading into serving one another, those traditions in our lives are emptied of their power. I'm going to read that again. Whenever we preserve our traditions, our spring, we hold on. Oh, I hold on. At the expense of following God leading into another season. Then those traditions, what was of our spring, become emptied of their power. 
There's nothing more tragic than empty religious activity, people going through the motions, but finding no more joy and power. You're coming into summertime. But the problem is, is you're clinging to something of the past. And as you keep reaching back and trying to cling to the something of the past, there's no power in the joy right now. It's gone. Lori and I understand this to some degree, and some of you do too. We went through a season of tremendous renewal in our lives back here about 25 years ago. A season that impacted us and impacted us for the rest of our life. Every day there was fresh revelation. Every day there was the moving of his spirit. Every week, even in the context of the body, things were happening. It was astounding. It was everything we could have asked for. And it didn't just last for a month or two. It lasted for a season. And then we came into summertime. We didn't understand this. It will last forever. We came into summertime. And as we went into summertime, we observed that we kept talking of springtime. We kept talking of spring. We kept talking of that. We kept talking of that. People around us kind of get, I'm kind of tired of hearing it. We were clinging to something, but the power and the joy had gone. We were in a different season, and we didn't adjust to the new season. We were clinging to the old. This happens as we try to force God's work into our molds. So let's now go to summertime. The long dog days of summer. So that's the second part in your notes. Summertime. The long days of summer. So the long days of summer on the farm, summer sneaks up on you. You're into summer before you even know it. This is the strangest thing. You're in spring, you're enjoying spring, and next time you know it's like 30 some odd degrees outside, no rain. It's like, when did that happen? It sneaks up on you. Isn't that, it's amazing. Summer doesn't come in announced overnight. Summer sneaks, you don't know when it's coming. None of us know when the summer's coming until it's there. The days of spring quietly stretch out. They start to get longer. The days longer, 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 longer. Growth in the vine slows down. You don't notice it. Spring was far more spectacular because growth in the spring was from the ground up. You see, in springtime, beauty came above the surface. You could look out your windows. You could walk in your gardens. You could see it. It was all over. It's all over. Ah, but now, but now, the expanse of growth has moved beneath the surface. So you get up every day and you look at the garden, you look at the vineyard, and you don't see anything. And the next day, nothing. Next week, nothing. It looks like it's going in reverse. It's still growing, but it's growing where you can't see it. Now, everything in summertime is beneath the surface. Springtime's all above the surface. The roots don't have to really do anything. It's just the roots just have to suck it in. But summertime, the roots now are forced. There's nothing on top. They have to go down. And the roots drop. And they go down. And they go down. And they have to find a source. They have to find a source. They have to find a source. It's not at the top anymore. What was easy is no longer easy. What was so simple was no longer simple. What was so joyable is no longer enjoyable. And so they search. And they go down. And they go down. And they go down. Summertime. The roots are going deeper and deeper and deeper. It's what beneath is what counts. You can't see what's going on now. If you look at it, you think it's dead. If you look at it, you think it's over. A person who doesn't have any understanding of the seasons would go over and rip that thing out. 
Missing the whole point. Remember, the point of that particular vine or the point of that flower wasn't the flower. The point of it was to bring forth fruit. The point of it was harvest. And if you rip the thing out, it never accomplished what it was meant to accomplish. You see, the accomplishment is still yet ahead. But it requires summer to get there. It has to have summer to get there. It can't produce fruit in spring. What happens in summer is what's required to bring the fruit in the fall. Now, the grapes begin to grow. Because what's happening is they are being pumped full of sweetened sugar that once went to the leaves. That once was a part of the blooming. Now that is now being poured into fruit. Drawn up from the source. So if you look for fruit, if you look for the beauty of springtime, you're not going to see it because something greater is going on that you can't see with your physical eyes. But now the fruit, the fruit is being developed. Ah, now this expansive growth slows as the focus moves from the leaves to what's beneath them. You can't see it. There's not much a farmer can do now in summer. You see, it had to set the pattern in the spring. It's too late now. It's too late now. Farmer perseveres in summer. Perseveres in summer. Stays with it. Stays with it. Works through it. Works through it. Doesn't quit. Doesn't quit. Doesn't quit. James 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, here it is, produces, what is it? Perseverance. Okay, let's do this again. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters. He's talking to us. Whenever you face summer, because you know that the testing, summertime, the testing of your faith, the testing of your, your flowers, the testing of your beauty, produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its course so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I don't know anybody here who's sad enough to enjoy your season of trial. Didn't consider it pure joy, but boy, that's a tough one. Yeah, take joy in the fact, take joy in the fact that your times of testing are providing opportunities for your roots to go. You see, if you don't have testing, your roots won't need to go deep. If the sun isn't harsh... There's no reason for the roots to go. They'll just stay up in the top where everything's easy. But the times of testing, your roots grow down and you discover a fresh spring of living water. But you can't discover it in spring. In so doing, you will grow spiritual fruit that will make you both mature, complete, lacking nothing, it says. You see, for grapes to ripen, they need a certain number of hot days, I'm told, they need a successive number of days above 77 degrees Fahrenheit. The best growing temperatures are well into the high 80s, I'm told. Harsh. These high 80s to a grapevine is considered hostile environment for growth. They call it hostile environment for growth. Here's the point. Fruitfulness rises out of hostile environments. Fruitfulness does not come when things come easy. Fruitfulness comes from hostile environments. It comes out of the summer. Therefore, when attending church, fellowshipping, 
connecting within the Christian community becomes difficult for you. Listen to this. When it becomes difficult for you, when attending church becomes difficult for you, you would rather just watch, I was going to say a church, you'd rather just watch the big mega churches on TV. When it becomes difficult in connecting with other Christians, and believe me, we are in that day right now. When it becomes difficult in connecting and fellowshipping and all those things, when it becomes difficult, dig in and grow your roots deep. Now's the time. Remember, roots that are fully developed provide the same continual refreshing as if planted near the spring. Roots fully developed will provide the same refreshing. Those deep roots will provide as much moisture as they did at the top. But they will find it in a different way. They don't learn to get by on less of God. They find God at a deeper level. Hmm. Not getting on unless you grow deep. That's our season of fasting and prayer. So let's go to fall time harvest. There's your third category if you want to write that down. Fall time harvest. The fruit bore on us never belongs to us. You see, once God's fruit becomes our fruit, any number of things happen, but none of them are good. You see, the vine does not produce fruit for itself. The fruit is to be enjoyed by something else. The fruit of your character is not about you. The fruit of your character is to help someone else. The fruit is bore by someone else. And when I enjoy the fruit, I'm enjoying your fruit. If I try to consume my own fruit, then everything dies. An apple tree doesn't consume its own apples. An orange tree does not consume its own oranges. Strawberry plant does not consume its own strawberries. It goes through all the work to provide fruit for something else to enjoy. And the fruit that God is developing in your summertime, the fruit that is being developed in the hostile environment or whatever you're going through, that fruit is to be enjoyed by somebody else. Again, I say it, the fruit bore on us never belongs to us. And yet, and yet, why is it sometimes we hear... We're clinging to our own fruit. It's all about me. I'm not getting anything. I'm not being fed. I don't have any friends. I don't have this. I don't have that. What's happening? You want to bear your own fruit. You want to consume your own fruit. And that's a problem. You see, John 15 is about understanding that in fall time, the harvest is about releasing your fruit for the blessings of others. The fruit on the vine branches never benefits the branch themselves. It cannot draw on its own sweetness. Whatever goes into the fruit is what the vine ultimately has to give away. Ah, whatever goes into my, whatever he develops, I got to give away. It's my character, my blessings, my service. And then winter, it's the fourth category. The colder, the better. Winter's the colder, the better. I've, you know, I could spend a lot of time talking about the pruning. I don't, want it. I don't want that to be the focus. I believe the focus today is particularly the spring, summer, and harvest. But the winter, just briefly just mentioned winter. Spiritually, winter is not like the hostility of the summer's heat. During the months of winter, two fundamental important things happen. Number one, the vines will be refreshed by resting. They need a rest. They need a rest. And winter provides that rest. Secondly, has to do with pruning. 
Pruning happens in the winter. Let me just conclude. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. Fruit is born to be given away. Hoarded fruit merely spoils. Hoarded fruit spoils. So give your fruit away. When it bears, give. As it bears, give. And I ask you, as you put down those four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter, where do you think you might be right now? Take a look at your list. Where would you consider yourself on that list? Springtime of great blessings, bounding joy, great nourishment, relationships. Praise God. Summertime, hostile environment, under attack. Everything's at you. Seems like deadness is everywhere. Disconnection. Ah, uh, but don't despair. Persevere. Drop your roots. Harvest, maybe it's in a season of, you feel you're in a season of harvest. Great things. You're seeing, you're seeing fruit, your life impacting others as you've never seen your life impact others. Wintertime, <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> sleeping. Wonder how that comes out on live streaming. We are blessed not to be a blessing to others. Number two, fruitfulness is not successfulness. Or I can say it the other way around. Successfulness is not fruitfulness. As long as we continue to remain in the vine by remaining in Christ's word, it will bear. Remember it says it will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. You will. What needs to be qualified here is that it often may not be the fruit you're looking for. See, we want certain things to look right. Frequently, the fruit's different. <laughs> the fruit will look different than what you thought it was going to look like. Take another look at what actually could be developed in your summertime. And we confuse sometimes being fruitful with being successful in the world's eyes. Being successful in the world's eyes is not being fruitful. You can be successful in the world's eyes, but you are not developing the character in other people's lives. You're not impacting them for the good. But you look like you're successful. Okay, that's not true fruitfulness. Let's not mistake fruitfulness for successfulness. Beware of what's above the surface. Beware. And thirdly, restored in Christ. In the excitement of harvest, it's easy to reap the fruit of our past diligence and lose sight of its continuing necessity. You know, in the time of harvest, woo, it's getting excited. But there's so much happens at harvest. Scientists tell us that in the final stages of ripening, all the nutrients of the vine are drawn into the grapes. The vine is totally depleted at harvest time. There's hardly anything left. When the grapes ripen, there's no more reserves in the vine. It's spent. Listen, that's why you have to remain in him in season. Out of season. Remain, remain, remain. The branch must heed this admonition. Remain in me. Because when you expend, when you serve, and those volunteers here, when you serve and you serve, you better remain in him because you will burn out. All of a sudden, your reserves are dry. What do you do? You quit. You quit. This is the time you remain in him. As God uses you to extend his kingdom, it becomes easy to neglect your own spiritual nourishment with Christ. 
Just because you're giving out doesn't mean you ought not to be getting. To the contrary, you need to draw more now than you've ever drawn. People don't fall away from God at a moment's notice. People fall away as a result of preceding days of not remaining in the vine. And when they fall away and quit church and quit their faith, it didn't happen overnight. It happened back there. They stopped drawing. And now they're spent. And they quit. And they quit. At all costs, beloved, this morning, at all costs, the good news is for us, at all costs, cling to an intimate relationship with Christ. Cling to it through fasting, through prayer, through hunger and desire. Cling to it with everything that is in you. Cling to our Lord. Back in the Summer Olympics, before many of you were even born, 1968, Olympics in Mexico. Mexico City? I'm not going to ask who remembers that. But some are going to volunteer. October evening, 1968. A group of diehard spectators remained in Mexico City's Olympic Stadium to see the last finishers of the great Olympic race, 26-mile marathon. The runners were coming in. The first one in was Mammal Wold of Ethiopia. He won the race. The exuberant cheers of onlookers. You see this behind me. Here's a picture of him winning the Olympics, 1968. The rest of the runners rolled in, rolled in, rolled in. They did the last 400 lap, meter lap around the stadium and came across the finish line. The crowd cheered each one for a race well run. An hour goes by. Looks like it's over. It's getting cool. It's getting dark. Many have left the stadium. Seems like it's finished. When, when the remaining spectators who were breaking up and leaving, heard the sounds of sirens and police whistles coming from the marathon gate in the stadium. Those that remained began to watch as one last runner entered into the stadium, made his last lap around. His name was John Stevens Aquari from Tanzania. From, uh, Tanzania. As he ran the last leg of the race, you see him, People could see his leg was bandaged, it was bleeding. He had fallen during the race, he had injured himself. It was expecting he was way out of the competition, but he didn't let it stop him. The people in the stadium, the few that were left, rose to their feet, began to respond and applaud him until he reached the finish line. He hobbled away. Reporter went up to him, asked, You're injured. You had no chance of winning. You can't get a medal. I mean, it would be noble, honorable of you quitting because look, you have good reason to have quit. And his reply was this, it's been marked. His reply, my country did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. Don't you like that? My country did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. Beloved, there's a good word from this guy from the Olympics. It's not how you start the race. It's how we finish this race. We're in the middle of some race. I don't know where we are in this race, 
All I know is whatever season you are, spring, summer, fall, winter, wherever you are, the Lord knows. Abide in him. Abide in him. Let your roots grow deep into the season of hostility. When you look around, be careful, be careful. Be careful you don't simply try to regain spring again. If you do, you'll lose everything. You see, spring's not about what the race is. The fruit is. The fruit is. It's all about the fruit. Don't quit. You might be bleeding. You might be late, (laughs) a late bloomer. But God says, keep your eyes to finish the race. It's not how you start the race. It's how what? You finish the race. So, Father in heaven, God, we just received this today. Lord, we recognize the seasons. As you spoke of this so clearly, the seasons that we are in, Lord, I pray that you would show us where we are. And God, I pray that this message is, John 15 was a message to be a message of blessing and joy. Consider it pure joy. God, I pray you would bring the joy back. We're not lost in the middle of nothingness. We haven't lost out with you. You haven't forsaken us. God, we're in a season, and God, in that season, you've given us everything we need to set the patterns of nourishment to make it to the very end. And Lord, often it has to do with the fruit of service. So Lord, forgive us for having maybe quit. Forgive us for having given up. Forgive us for being people that have begun to move to complaining and griping. That, God, all we want to talk about is those flowers and those big leaves back in springtime. Lord, we just, we're pursuing those things that we, we're jumping over the fence to see because we want, there's, there's, a, there's a, ba- a bed of flowers over there. I'm going to be with them. Lord, maybe you're drawing us to beneath the surface right now. And it's time to drop our roots. It's time to trust and abide in you and to seek you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. And not give up. Persevere, persevere, persevere. For when perseverance has run its course, we are mature. And true fruit will come off of our vine, come off of our branches. And so, Lord, I pray, encourage us in this word this morning. That, Lord, as we go from here, we will be men and women and teenagers and children. We will be men, women, teenagers and children who are seeking you at a deeper level. Anxious to let the fruit grow in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us, before we go today, to, I've asked Lori to come join me. We want to pray for all the volunteers. And if you're a volunteer, you're going to be praying for the other volunteers as well. And I put down seven things here. We could just put those up on the PowerPoint here. Seven things. Prayer for our ministry volunteers. And we want to just hold them before the Lord in prayer again. A reminder to those of you who are the volunteers of our church, we're going to be meeting immediately following about five minutes after downstairs. But we want to pray. Can we pray together for these particular seven things that I've put together for our volunteers? So I've asked Lori to come and join me. She's going to lead in prayer. Would you just come into a spirit of agreement in this prayer as we pray for one another. I invite, would you join in standing if you can stand for maybe the next couple of minutes to just change our position, but let's pray together. Let's agree together as we pray for these particular items.
the Lord just seemed to lay on my heart this morning concerning the prayer. It's my life verse. I was a, a teenager when I gave my heart to the Lord. And if you love the Lord, I challenge you with this verse. And it's 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. I have not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him today? Are you seeing? Has God placed some things in your heart and you go, I haven't seen it, Lord? Then like me, hold fast to that verse. Eye is not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into your mind the things that God has prepared for you. If you're not seeing something, love God more and press into those things that he has laid on your heart, whether they're dreams, visions, hopes, a prayer, because we've seen nothing yet, folks, as to what God is going to do. So this morning I challenge you to join with me as we pray into the lives of our volunteers, because I'm trusting volunteers, including myself, we've seen nothing yet, because we serve a big God. Are you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning for the people that you have entrusted to Aurora Cornerstone. What a gift. What a blessing. And Lord, I just pray right now for the direction that you have laid on their hearts. Lord, that you would lead them, that you would guide them. Lord, even the one that thinks they don't have anything to offer, but God, there's been seeds planted, whether from a child, whether from this message this morning. And Lord, we pray that those seeds would germinate. Lord, we're thankful for every every person that you have entrusted to serve in this church, to the oldest, to the youngest. Lord, to the person in the sound booth, to the person that greets at the door. Lord, what a privilege. And Lord, we pray that out of that will flow a joy in serving the Lord. A joy that I get to go to the house and serve the Lord and serve my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would pour into them strength. Strength to accomplish what you have purposed. Lord, how would we feel if we came to church and we sat down and we waited for the pastor to get up and preach and, and we get a message where an usher comes forward and says, folks, He's depleted, has no strength today. Lord, well, where would we be? But Father, you pour into our pastor, pour into us. Uh, Lord, we will be at our post, that we would walk in the anointing, whether it's the pastor or the greeter, and that, Lord, we would pour out what you have given us. And Lord, for every one of us who the enemy has battered, 
and broken. We come against him in the name of Jesus. We push back. We push back on you, Satan, for what you have done, how you have distracted, how you have tormented, how you have torn us down, how you told us we're worthless. We are children of the living God. We are not orphans. We have a heavenly father who loves us and has poured into us. We have a brother who went to the cross, died for us so that we could be in this place today. And that we can stand here and say, I have an advocate with the father. And Lord, I pray that you would pour into them life, that you would pour into them hope, that you would pour into them whatever they need to rise up and to say yes to the Lord and no to the enemy. And Lord, I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for protection against illness. Yes. God, we pray you would bless the physical health and well-being of everyone serving that, Lord, we would be strong. We would find our strength coming from the vine. Lord, we pray that there would be faithfulness in service. That, God, you would help us to be single-minded, single-focused. That we would resist distractions against our own time, against our own spiritual life. And, Father, I pray for those that serve. That you may powerfully move in their lives. They may see your goodness. They may experience you in a deeper level than they've ever experienced you. That, Lord, as we give, we will receive. As we pour out, we will receive the pouring in. That, Lord, we can't, we can't consume anymore as sponges, but as we release what we've been given, God, you will pour freshness into our lives. Grant that, we pray. In the midst of us serving others, we not be depleted, but filled with overjoying uh, overflowing joy and pure joy yes. and persevering yes. in our faith. Grant that for each one we pray this day in Jesus' name. If you come into agreement, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Well, Lord, bless you. Let's embrace the season you're in. There's blessing on the other side. Amen. Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.